So she is the author of the thriller You Beneath Your Skin and this is one of those books that kept me at the edge of my seat right until the very end it deals with so many issues corruption politics love affairs and it also deals with the very relevant topic of acid attacks you know they are so prevalent but we don't speak about them much and i'm so glad that this book actually brought that to the forefront so we find out about how she wove all of these issues together in this book and much more on the episode yeah tara and anjali morgan is one of my favorite protagonists of all time i really didn't know that i would fall in love with her after reading the book and just like damianti you know i am a short story writer too and i've wanted to write my novel i wanted to write a thriller but it's really difficult to move between the short story form and a novel but damianti gave us such specific tips that i really find it very very helpful so Damianti actually took 15 drafts to finish her novel and with every draft she uncovered something new like she you know she figured what she needs to add in the plot whether she needs to remove a character whether she needs to change the language in which the plot is conveyed like everything and for me the most memorable bit of the episode Tara was when she was actually traveling and in Scotland she was in this hotel room and she had carried these index cards with her and she kept rearranging them to figure out the plot of the book Wow like i feel that every writer needs to learn that and she's given many more specific tips on the episode to actually help debut writers write their book yeah i love this episode because it was so full of you know these tips as you said and also these anecdotes that really came together to tell us about her creative process so we hope you enjoy the episode too and let's dive in hi michelle hi tara hi damianti so damianti um you know we both obviously read your book and were totally hooked from beginning to end so could you tell our listeners a little bit about you know um, where the book came from what the book is about thanks so much for reading first of all you guys and uh, to me the book came to me in 2012 with this image of anjali morgan that i had somebody who was very uh, obsessed with her own appearance and a huge perfectionist and over a period i think of about 6 years the novel emerged pretty organically over multiple drafts and it became in the end a crime novel about uh, the investigation of an acid attack on a woman from delhi's upper class set against the backdrop of crimes against underprivileged women uh, these women are assaulted disfigured with acid and murdered So in some ways it is a study of how violent crime unravels those affected uh, the people the relationships the very fabric of society uh, and we get a kind of glimpse of what lies beneath and uh, that's how the title came in you beneath your skin and it definitely is a good story you know it's so full of um, twists and turns 
So, you know, uh, we read that you mentioned in an interview that you like to surprise yourself while writing um, and that if you know what will happen next in a scene, you stop writing. Um, And both Michelle and I were sort of mind blown with that statement because it's such a cleverly plotted novel and it's in the thriller genre, which relies so heavily on, you know, that fast pace. So how do you manage that? And And you had to know what would happen next, right? (laughs) <laughs> the novel uh, changed very much from its first draft to the last draft. And in the beginning, I really didn't know what would happen. The first draft, I needed to figure out who the characters were. And then the conflicts came in organically. And from then, only in the later stages, I tore the entire novel apart. And I kind of rearranged the chapters and points of view like a deck of cards. So uh, the pace came later after editing and rewriting and rewriting and editing. So we also read that, you know, your book went through 15 drafts, uh, Damianti. So what was that process like? And, you know, what kind of changes were made in each draft? (laughs) 15 drafts, definitely. The first draft, the story itself was different. The first draft was all about skinning. So there was no acid attack in the first draft at all. And then I went into a workshop and I realized, okay, I, uh, I'm i not writing the story. I'm writing something else. And I think acid attacks came into the novel in the second draft. So I think I went through about six or seven drafts to kind of settle the uh, point of view, right? And I was learning how to write a novel. I was, I'm a debut novelist, and this was where I learned how to write a novel. Before this, I'd written a lot of short stories, but short stories and novels are very, very different. So I think only towards the end, about the eighth draft, I was certain, okay, this is the story I want to tell, and this is a number of POV characters. And then I think in the ninth draft, I kind of started doing the cut and paste thing. I was traveling at the time, so I took the whole novel with me and I kind of tore it apart. And in each hotel room where we would stop, we were in Scotland. So every different town I would go to, I would tear it apart. I would uh, spread index cards all over the hotel room bed. I'll throw my husband out and I would, you know, get into the novel. And then after that came the language. So, yeah. That was how the 15 jobs came about. Yeah, I mean, you know, because it's your debut book, uh, Damianti, it's really interesting how you really learned writing, you know, along the way. And, you know, most of us have heard that debut books are based on life. And that is something, you know, even I wanted to know, Damianti, are there any characters from the book that are inspired by, you know, people from your life, like your husband or yourself? <laughs> Not really. In in my case, uh, I kind of write uh, characters who are very different from life. I take them from life, but then later they kind of become a patchwork of people I know. And after a while, they take on a life and agency of their own. And I kind of, my problem is I do not have much control over them because they kind of, you know, when I start writing, the writing changes and what they're going to do, I sit in the morning and I say, this is how I'm going to write it, but I end up writing it very differently. So I do not end up ever having any real life people in my book. Yeah, and also we read uh, somewhere, Damianti, that, you know, your book is called a Why Done It, but uh, we also found it, you know, very interesting to figure out who has actually 
you know, committed the crime. So would you really call it a mix between why done it and who done it? To me, you beneath your skin is a why done it. I did not want to write it as a who done it. And it's uh, a lot of thriller readers or people who are avid crime fiction readers who only read in the genre. They knew very early into the game who the person was who, who was committing these crimes. And they were like, oh, I know who's done it. But I read it anyway because I felt that that's what no, that's not what the novel is about the novel is about why people commit crimes who commits those crimes who investigates those crimes what happens to the people who are at the periphery of the crime what motivates the crime what motivates the investigator what are the challenges faced by the investigator so i wanted to kind of examine all of these more than the crime itself so to me, it's much more interesting to figure out the human angle of the crime rather than have uh, just a plot-driven uh, story where we know something's going to happen, something's going to happen, what's going to happen, what's going to happen. But what happens is at the end of reading that book, you don't really remember it. I am always fascinated by novels where you remember the characters. And so that's the sort of novel I wanted to write. That really reminds me of another author that we interviewed uh, who also wrote a Why Done It, you know, and I think I'm more interested in Why Done It's for sure, because even I like getting into the heads of characters and the psychology behind them. So I really enjoyed that aspect of your book. But it reminds me of the Panjana Pal's Hashabai Baby, which was also, you know, a thriller and which was also um, a Why Done It. So I would highly recommend it to our listeners. Michelle, um, do you have any other, you know, Why Done It's that you would recommend to our listeners? Um, I think, uh, you know, my sister, the serial killer really comes to mind right now, because, you know, in that book, you really know who is the culprit, but you try to really understand from their point of view. Have you read it, Damianti? Yes, it is. A, it's an excellent novel. It's very, very condensed. It's more literary than crime. And uh, I, I, I really adored that book. Absolutely. So, Damianti, you also mentioned that your book is slotted into something called a literary thriller. And we don't usually associate, you know, thrillers with being literary. And so you have, you know, in, in terms of genre, you have literary fiction and then you have thriller. So could you explain, you know, what is a literary thriller and what do you think about, you know, slotting books into genres in general? Well, books are slotted into genre because of the marketing department. Books need to be marketed. Books need to be sold. So when you go into a bookshop, uh, where do you see the book? So that is the genre. And it's simply there for the reason that so that the reader comes in and then they know these are the romance shells or these are the so because they only like reading romance so they don't want to spend their time looking through other genre which is also same the case with uh ebooks people straight away go and they look at the sort of books that they want to read so that is why genre has come in very handy and you know it's it's a it's a tool that's used by the publishing industry in order to sell a book uh, when it comes to a literary crime, this is not something that uh, is unknown in the West. They would call it an upmarket crime fiction or a literary crime fiction. You would have work by Kate Atkinson, for example, or Tana French, which it is a pretty well well known genre. And also the right, the level of craft, the uh, the descriptiveness of a book or of of a setting or of a character, uh, that's 
something that is in some cases you know it kind of has an equal importance as the plot of the novel so such novels are not unknown in 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 the west in india of course there's a lot of hunger for crime fiction now and straight cut thrillers because people would like to uh, kind of figure out who did this and it kind of has a resonance with what's happening in the society around us and so we we just want very quick read uh, where you beneath your skin fits in uh, is a slot which would be something like uh, anita nayar's inspector gorda series or uh, murder in mahim by jerry pinto or if you go to the historical kind of uh, crime fiction maybe abir mukherjee's books so something where the reader is not just concerned with the you know the commission of the crime how the crime is committed and how it is being solved but also look for something extra yeah that makes sense and the recommendations that you put forward sound really interesting and what i really liked is the way that you brought delhi alive for the readers you know like the grittiness the underbelly of that city um and i remember when i i'm from bombay and i remember when i you know went to work um in delhi at the age of 22 and you know coming from bombay it was a culture shock because you know this the things about you know safety and you know um you know uh, dealing with you know the toxic masculinity and i think you could bear all of that really well and managed to make you know delhi a character so coming to the question what advice would you like to give writers who want to set their work in a particular place and write it well well i had the unfair advantage of having lived in delhi for a while and uh, my background is in fashion so i was a fashion designer at one point and so i had clients who were you know quite privileged and then i had embroiderers and tailors who were not quite so privileged so i got to see the spectrum then also i i volunteered with project y which is a small uh, non-profit that works in the underprivileged communities in new delhi so i had the advantage of knowing delhi but then uh, knowing delhi and writing delhi knowing a city and writing a city are two different things so uh, some of the things i would suggest are uh, research the place a lot you know walk around on the roads uh, go to the eatery so wherever you plan to set each scene uh, try and visit those places so i did uh, try and go to the hospitals the police stations i drove around the roads i did all of that uh, now these with the internet you get a fair sense even if you cannot visit the place you've just seen it once or you know you haven't ever visited it but you still want to write about it uh, at least spend a lot of time reading books about the place or watching series and movies about the place and then remember that a reader has five senses or you have the sense of taste smell touch hearing and also sight so in most writing we find a lot of sights but not the other senses but when you read uh, you should get a three dimensional experience and then as with all writing i think the devil is in the details so pick out the right details so for example in you beneath your skin you have this uh, old man getting a shave by the roadside or somebody smoking a hookah in a tent so the small things which are very 
a unique to Delhi, which, you know, the migrant population that comes into Delhi and how they create these tents and what the pavements, the pavements of Mumbai look quite different from the pavements of Delhi. So figure out something that is very unique to that place, because if you get a few details right, then the reader begins to trust you and kind of hands over, you know, this uh, can, can suspend this belief and, you know, kind of gets seduced. And that is what uh, becomes atmospheric for the reader without realizing why they sink into the setting. They do because you're seducing them with the use of uh, very specific details and also uh, with the use of the five senses in all your scenes. Thank you so much for sharing that, Damianti. I mean, there itself, it was like a masterclass in writing, you know, just talking about the senses. I mean, that was just brilliant advice for someone who, you know, wants to write a place and who wants to really, uh, you know, take the reader through that place. And even though they haven't really visited them. But coming back to your book, um, you know, you have spoken about, you know, so many sort of heavy issues, you know, uh, vitiligo um, or autism, you know, uh, obviously, you know, the acid attacks, all of these, you know, really heavy topics. So how did you go about um, sort of, you know, doing the research, making sure that they were conveyed in the most, you know, accurate um, and correct way possible? I did not really think of them as issues. I was telling the stories of these characters and I wanted to make the characters as lifelike as possible. I wanted them to be characters that you would feel like you know them. So I wanted to do the research so that if I talk about any aspect of the character, I should have some degree of authority. So I actually got the book Beta read by a psychologist who gave their opinion on whether all of this sounds coherent. I spoke to a station house officer and SHO in Delhi. I spoke to an ex-police commissioner in the Delhi police force I and got them to vet the entire plot thing. Is this plausible? Is this plausible? Can this happen? And all of that. And spoke to a plastic surgeon for the uh, acid attack uh, treatment uh, scenes that, that are there in the novel. So for everything, I kind of wanted to be as authentic as possible. And like I said, uh, for settings that you need the right details, I think even for characters, you need the right details. So once you've got that, whether it comes out as an issue in the novel, whether it follows, because the theme, you realize the theme of the novel probably much later, or at least I do. But what's important is you get the details right. Respect your characters, respect your setting, respect your story. The rest will kind of take care of itself. Yeah, I mean, it's just wonderful how you spoke to so many people, Damianti. And, you know, there's this misconception. I mean, as a fiction writer, I've heard this many times, you know, that you don't need any facts in fiction, which is which is just wrong. I mean, you know, we fiction writers do want to, you know, portray life as it is. And especially when it is, you know, uh, when the plot is very realistic. Of course, you have to do some fact checking. Um, but coming back to your book, you know, we really like the way that you've uh, explored, you know, some of the dialogues, you know, they felt very authentic to, you know, each character and um, even Delhi Hindi. So what advice would you give young writers who want to write good dialogue? 
<laughs> I'm very wary of this giving writing advice thing, but I can tell you what what works for me. Uh, I do notice uh, a lot of what goes on around me, so I do shamelessly eavesdrop on conversations. So I am listening to people all the time, and then I need to remember that uh, dialogue is not real conversation. It sounds like real conversation, but it's not. Also, uh, I think a lot comes in from uh, improv theater. So, if you would have seen improv comedy, for example, two people start talking to each other, and one asks a question, and the other one answers, and with hilarious things that they create on the spot. And one of the things that they use is, uh, you know, they always say yes. So, somebody offers something. So, they say, should we go to the beach? The other one says, yes, let's go to the beach. So, one of the problems that writers have while writing dialogues is because they think that there ought to be conflict, they kind of say no to everything. So, then to get out of that, they kind of are humming and hawing and, you know, discussing tea. Whereas, you say yes and you move from there. So, you avoid what you call is a dead ball. So if I say, uh, Michelle, would you like a cup of tea? And you say, I hate tea. So then I need to start with another topic. Of no, but I actually love tea. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so so we avoid uh, dead balls, you know, that's what we call them. That's the technical term. Uh, you know, improv or theater is something that I've been interested in also, Damianti, because even, you know, looking for inspiration for my own writing, I thought it, it will help me. And it's really uh, interesting to know that it has helped you with uh, writing dialogues. So, uh, Damianti, you know, um, is there any character in the book that is your favorite and, uh, you know, why? <laughs> None of the characters are my favorites and they're all my favorites. I think whoever I was writing uh, at that point of time became my favorite character. So uh, what I used to do was I once I knew how the chapters would go, so I knew which would be Jatin's chapters or which would be Anjali's chapters. So I went and wrote all of Anjali's chapters at one go, you know, after I knew that this is where this is where she's going to figure so in those times, I would have like one song and then at Jatin's time, I would have another song. So I had these songs playing on loop and then that person would be my favorite character. So after the book was written, I kind of, uh, it finally went out uh, with my agent and he started submitting it. I kind of burst into tears because I was like, oh my God, these people are not going to be around anymore because I actually grieved and that's apparently a fairly common pro common feature. A lot of novelists kind of grieve for their characters once a book is over. That's so interesting, Namiyanti. I love finding out, you know, writers' creative processes. And, you know, it's so cool that you were listening to songs and these characters became such a large part of your life. Um, so Michelle and I read in an interview, you know, uh, that you mentioned that, you know, exhaustion can sometimes prevent you from writing. And I think during COVID, all of us are feeling a bit of that, you know, whether it's we're all doing our housework and trying to keep healthy and trying to be productive, you know, while this threat is looming. Um, so what is your writing routine like during these times? And what were some of the challenges you faced while writing the book? 
Well, the challenges that I faced while writing the book uh, seem pretty trivial compared to the challenges I'm facing now, uh, because those kinds of challenges are only like uh, about writing. So, at in in those times, it would be something like, oh my God, I have to rewrite the whole thing again because of you know this thing I found out, or maybe I'm changing all the points of view, or, or maybe I don't know what's going to be on screen and what's going to be off screen or maybe I killed off someone and that person actually needs to be alive or things like that. So th- those were like pretty pretty much writerly issues. Uh, nowadays, my issue is more like uh, lack of focus because I... I kind of am a very empathetic person in some ways. I uh, respond to, uh, you know, uh, human suffering in, in pretty intense ways. But I think what really helps me focus is uh, time writing, which has always been my go-to thing ever since I started writing. So I would set on uh, like a timer and go for 10 minutes. So I swear by this website called Write or Die, which kind of you can set it to, you can write on that website and you can set various things. So for example, you could set things like in five minutes, uh, if you're not writing, if you pause your writing in five minutes, so the easiest thing is it will have some flashing lights uh, or maybe you could set it to have some unpleasant sounds or if you're, a, you know, one of those really positive, sweet characters, you know, you can go the positive way, not the stick way, but the carrot way where it shows you puppy pictures and kitten pictures and then the diabolic setting is if you stop typing, it starts deleting what you've written. So as you write, you can, in the minute you pause, it starts deleting it. So it sounds like a pretty drastic thing, but it helps you focus because after a while, you're not really not thinking about what words you're using. You just need to work, just write it. I don't recommend this process for everyone, but it's one of the things that helps me focus. That's amazing, Damianti. I'm sure all of our listeners are very, very inspired right now. So, Damianti, we read uh, somewhere that you really wanted the book to be translated into Hindi. So, we just wanted to know, you know, how is that coming about? And, uh, you know, whether, you know, if you had written it in Hindi originally, would it have been more impactful or is that something you think about? Well, but the people who really need to read it also, are in this uh, belt of uh, UP, Bihar, the Hindi-speaking belt where uh, you have uh, the smaller towns, villages, where patriarchy is still very strong and where acid attacks is a very simple way of, uh, you know, quote-unquote, teaching a woman a lesson. So definitely in those places, I wish it were translated into Hindi. I wish I had written this in Hindi. I wish I knew enough Hindi to write it in Hindi because, uh, you know, most of the novel other than Anjali, uh, a lot of it is in Hindi actually and I've kind of uh, written it in English. English, if you will. So I have found uh, translators who are interested. Let's see how that process moves forward. I don't know. I definitely feel that we have a very, very rich uh, literary tradition, be it in Hindi or be it in the regional languages, and they should all be translated into English as much as possible. And we should be doing as much as possible uh, of uh, reading, you know, translated fiction, uh, we are losing out a lot 
over there. And there are some books which have, you know, come out recently, like, uh, you know, translations and uh, I've read Ghachar Gochar and, you know, Cobalt Blue. And I just love these books that come out of, uh, you know, regional languages. So like Tara, uh, do you uh, also explore regional language books as well? I mean, I, I totally agree with um, what you guys are saying because I find that some of the stories and some of the gems that you find, you can only find in translation. For example, you know, I recently started reading some of K.R. Meera's work, uh, you know, which is fantastic. And even, uh, you know, uh, books translated from, you know, the Japanese or the Korean. I mean, there's just a whole wealth of stories uh, that haven't been marketed uh, yet to an English language speaking audience. So, uh, yeah. Okay, so Damiyanti, we uh, know that your earlier drafts, and we obviously spoke about, uh, you know, the 15 drafts that you did, but we learned that earlier drafts, yeah, of your book were actually, you know, they won prizes. And it's really interesting because uh, you still, you know, took your time and you took your time publishing. I think... uh... Publishing, I think, is overrated. You, Of course, you will publish someday when you're writing. That is, of course, uh, readers complete uh, the story. You know, the story ends in the minds of the readers. But then the fact also is that you only get to debut once. And then uh, let's also remember that uh, nowadays a lot of the marketing falls to the authors. But the whole thing is you need to be very convinced about what you are writing uh, for your debut book because at least you should be able to stand behind it. So, yes, I wanted to write the best story I could write. And at the point of time, I handed it over to the publisher. That was the best I could make it. Uh, you Beneath Your Skin still has some flaws, and I know what those flaws are now. But uh, there was no way to fix them at that point of time. So I abandoned them at an advanced level. So, But even now, I know that there are things that can be done to them. No, but I think, uh, Damianthi, you know, we, we thought it was, you know, flawless. And but, you know, I mean, it's very inspiring how uh, you say that, you know, you only get once to come out with your debut book. And that really, I needed to hear that. Thank yeah, you. And there's no, there's no deadline. You can you can have your debut at 60. One of my best writing friends had her debut novel come out, novel for kids come out at 91. So, you know, we have to follow our journey. So if we are not convinced about the book, then how is the publisher going to be convinced about the book? And how is the re- reader going to be convinced about the book, right? So to me personally, that's the, and as that's always, my we motto. Are on, I should India be convinced Facebook, about what I'm Twitter, sending out. Yeah, and I mean, you we have really uh, managed to convince us as well as readers, Damianti. So, so, I mean, really good job uh, with the book. And also, we read somewhere, Damianti, that you have been working on two other books. So now that you're out with your debut, what is your next book? Please let us know. <laughs> well, if they become books, then we, we will see. Like right now, they're works in progress. But one of them is about a mother and daughter who are involved in a relationship with the same man. And uh, it has some undertones of crime. And the other one is uh, set in Mumbai. So I would really love for you guys to, you know, be my alpha readers, beta readers, uh, if you can. Oh, we would love to. (laughs) 
सिंगापुर और न्यू डेली Writing or reading? Both. <laughs> not fair, Davyanti. You have to pick one. <laughs> no, no, I cannot. For me, without writing, there would be no reading, and without reading, there would be no writing. And you know, same with Singapore and Delhi. Without my volunteering in Delhi, this entire book wouldn't have happened. Had I not come to Singapore, I wouldn't have had the perspective to write about settings in India. So, to me, both are absolutely like it is both. Yes. Um. So, what about literature or cinema? Literature. Okay, thrillers or literary fiction? Both. Another both answer. Okay, we let it pass. <laughs> <laughs> Can you name two recent uh, books in your genre that you really love? So I would say Case Histories by Kate Atkinson. I really quite liked it. It's not exactly the same genre as mine, but I loved it. And of course, uh. the other other one that you spoke about my sister serial killer that one what is your favorite place to write well usually it is out of doors and that's not happening these days but i love writing in food courts because food courts are very full of buzz in singapore and then i like to put headphones on with white noise or with the one song which is that character's song and sit at the cafe and write That's so cool, Ramyanti. I've never heard that one before, but I can't. I've been to Singapore, so I can imagine all the food courts and all the yummy food and all of those things. Uh, so that's really interesting. So thank you so much. I mean, these insights were so interesting. Um, I learned a lot. I'm sure Michelle did too. So thank you so much for being on this episode. Thank you, Ramyanti. Thank you so much for having me, ladies. Because this was a, a, a wonderful conversation. Because you you kind of brought in so many aspects that I hadn't thought of. So thanks very much. Thank you for having me and for having you beneath your skin. Thank you. So Michelle, I know that you want to write a thriller, and I hope that after this episode, you do. And I can't wait to read it. Yeah, really, Tara. Like I just, you know, I stopped midway because of lack of confidence, obviously. <laughs> But because now, you know, that Damyanti has shared so many tips with me, I will really listen to this episode on loop, and I'm sure that it will help me with my thriller and a lot of book recommendations too. So our next guest is Parmesh Sahani. He is literally someone who fits the phrase needs no introduction. So he's the author of two books, Queerstan and Gay Bombay. So if you haven't read them, pick them up because they are so full of insights. He's not only an author but he's a fashionista and he's a huge name in Bombay's art and culture space. He runs the Godrej Culture Lab. and i think he's such an inspiration to all of us creatives me especially you know with our work with bound so we can't wait to speak to him and find out more about inclusivity in the workplace and how he wrote all his books as always we are looking for book recommendations and you know writer recommendations if you want us to speak to a specific writer please let us know we are on social media that is instagram twitter and facebook at @boundindia and @boundpodcast So until next time take care